Hey guys, welcome to the Ducks and Darks podcast. My name is Mike here with my co-host Matt, and we have two guests for today's show. As we all know, Oregon is traveling to Columbus to take on Ohio State, and Washington is staying at home, I believe, to play Michigan. Or are they headed to the big house? They're headed to the big house. house. They're headed to the big house to play Michigan. So the two rivals are playing the two rivals. And before we get into any of that, Matt. Hey, man. Washington started (laughs) off week one. They played Montana. Last time Uh we talked, you said if they lose to Montana, everybody needs fired. Yeah, well, here's I'm not going to backpedal on that because that would just make me look bad. But here's what I'm going to say. They're not going to clean house knowing that administration, knowing the athletic department, they're not going to clear house. So my opinion could potentially change down the road. But if you had to ask me right now, get Jimmy Lake out of there, get John Don out of there, clean house. But that's not going to happen. So here we are. And now I get to unload my feelings from this Saturday on how that game went. Um, I don't even know where to start, to be honest with you. Um I guess we could talk about the O-line, supposed to be one of the best in the country, that got bullied around by an FCS program. And also, I should say, when I am talking about this game, I'm not at all dissing Montana. They're a great football program. But also, they're an FCS school. Washington, a top 20, used to be top 20 team, should not be losing to them. <laughs> so I'm just getting that out of the way. Pretty, I mean, I could go down the list. You know, I could talk about the offense being flat. I could talk about, you know, all their offensive problems stemming from the O-line having trouble. Um, as much as I want to rip into the defense, there isn't much to rip into them about because realistically, when an offense can't stay on the field, a defense is going to get tired and they're eventually going to give up points. Giving up one touchdown and two field goals should not lead to a loss. That is a still have decent defensive performance considering how much they are on the field. Um, what it all stems back to is Jimmy Lake, obviously, and that coaching staff, which I mean, was clearly the problem, you know, rumors of them walking out to the stadium, just thinking they were all that no organization, no clear leadership on the sideline, no clear leadership from the actual coaches during the game, um, players seeming lost, no sense of leadership or urgency at all makes me think that they just weren't ready. They were looking forward to this week against Michigan, which, you know, is fair, but you obviously still have to go one week at a time. It's football. And I think Jimmy Lake just kind of waltzed into the game thinking, you know, oh, we're going to roll them and then we can get ready to go to Ann Arbor. And that wasn't the case because Montana is a decent football team. And, you know, they got to do some soul searching this weekend. Like there's just so much that goes into it. You got to hope that this lights a fire under Jimmy's rear end that he can start to figure things out. He can start to get that locker room back. He could start to get things together. But honestly, I don't know. Like, I want to say I'm confident that they're going to get things turned around, but I don't, I can't say if they are or aren't. I don't know. This weekend's really going to be the determining factor. So would you agree with the thought that uh, Washington and Michigan are in similar phases of their program that they're really trying to fit, not not in the sense of like you know oh they're both terrible no like yeah. they both have coaches who haven't done what they were expected to do obviously lake was expected to transition from peterson really well and mm-hmm. harbaugh has been expected to i mean let's just say it beat ohio state once and neither have been able to do what they were expected to do uh do you think they have similar issues or what do you think that is i know we thought originally it was just recruiting but obviously it's not just recruiting yeah, and I mean, there's already the parallel there with the 07 Michigan team. I mentioned it before we started recording, you know. There's already that in place. Like, that's already like, oh, wow, there are some parallels beyond, you know, recruiting, whatever. I don't think you're going to be able to get a solid answer until the end of the season when you can look in retrospective. Um, and it's just going to have to be a down-the-road thing. I think if they're on the trajectory they are on now, I think if Jimmy Lake stays around for a couple more years, then yes, you're going to be able to make that comparison. Obviously, Jimmy Lake is in his second season, and Harbaugh has been in Michigan for much longer than that. So I feel like it's not quite fair to compare them just yet, just because different situations, different tenures, stuff like that. But, I mean, it could be there down the road. Lake did inherit a much better program than what Harbaugh inherited. But Justin, going into that game, after watching Washington against Montana, how confident are you? I mean, the thing is that I think that Washington's probably sitting there like, hey, we got to fix everything, and they're going to come in with a vengeance. You know, I I can't imagine. I I went 
I did not watch the Washington versus Montana game. Um, obviously, we played, uh, you know, around the same time as well. Um, but I went back and looked at the stats, and I was like, holy smokes, M- Montana must have did something against them. And I was like, wait, they had 105 passing yards. Okay, so they must have just r- ran the ball. Wait, no, they only, they only had 127 rushing yards. What happened here? So I don't think that Michigan even knows what to expect, really. You know, you thought you were going to have a decently high-powered offense from Washington. Um, I, I think people are feeling confident, but uh, as Jim Harbaugh said in his presser this week, he said uh, the second week of the season is the hardest week to prepare for because that's the first time that everyone's making adjustments. I have to imagine Washington's going to make a thousand adjustments this week, and we may see a completely different team than we did in week one. I hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> and Johnny, after watching Oregon struggle with Fresno, especially watching Kayvon not play in that second half, I got to assume you're feeling a lot more confident heading into that Oregon game because I know Ohio State struggled in the first half with Minnesota. And, you know, they, everyone went in before the season started. They're like, okay, Oregon game, probably a win. Then that Minnesota game happened. They're like, oh, maybe Oregon could take advantage of some things. Now, Oregon State struggled with Fresno. Are, are you back to the same confidence level that most Ohio State fans were at before the season? Or how do you feel about the game after both teams have played one week? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think at halftime, I, somebody said, I, uh, I was at the Minnesota game, right? Watching live. It's a great atmosphere. But I'm in a group chat with my my best friends, you know, Buckeye friends on Twitter. And they they always like to share and I'm sure your group chats do the same S- tweets, whether smart or dumb or whatever you like to throw them in the group. Right. Right. That, I mean, that's what they're, I think yep. that's what the group chats are there for. I really do. Correct. Um, I'm sure they're doing it to me. Somebody's out there doing it to me. <laughs> um, but no. So at, at halftime, uh, somebody sent a tweet that said, uh, somebody tweeted out and said, we are about to start this season. zero and two. And at that moment, I was like, hmm, yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, so, yeah, seeing that second half, um, seeing that, you know, coaches obviously don't have meltdowns like I do uh, as a fan where I'm like, bench everybody, kill every, like, just, it's all over. Cut their scholarships, get them out of here. I don't want to see this garbage. And then they come out and dominate the second half. Uh, yeah, and then seeing Oregon do, like you said, the, the struggle with not an FCS school, but a, like a group of five school, I assume is accurate to say, um, with in Fresno State. Yeah, it, it puts me back to that early season confidence of an uncomfortable game at times, but still should be a, a win, to, you know, somewhere between 10 and 16 points. One thing I do want to know, I was telling Matt this before you guys were in the Zoom call, uh, 2018 or 2019, I would say probably the best Minnesota team they've had probably ever. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. And Fresno state is finally building back up from a really bad period as well. Would you agree with that? They, they, they had a really good run. They fell off a little bit. So in, in 2019, Minnesota and Fresno state played a football game. Minnesota won by three points. Really? They did. I did not know that. So, I know Oregon did struggle with Fresno State, but I don't think the gap between Fresno and Minnesota is as big as most people expect. I wonder, yeah, so a good, I guess a good mark would be like, uh, you know, what if Fresno State and Cincinnati played tomorrow? Where would Vegas have that? You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. a Boise, right? Or a UCF. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could be, could be they're on those schools level. Maybe not Cincinnati, but Boise or UCF. I think a lot of the reason that I think they might be on that kind of level this year is just because everybody they have is like a fifth or sixth year player. They have Jake Hayner, a really solid quarterback. Ronnie Rivers, a really solid running back. They have a senior offensive line. I think everybody but one person on their offensive line is a super senior. So they, wow. they had a lot of veterans. And I think it's actually a perfect preparation matchup for Ohio State. They're a run-focused team with a quarterback who can throw it and a solid offensive line. That's Pretty much how I would describe Ohio State right now. They've been running the ball a lot. They hit you deep over top, and they have the offensive line. They have the talent and the big guys up front to stop you from maneuvering them how you want to. Yeah, I would say that's fair. So when it comes to everything going on, do you think how big of an impact do you think it will have if Kayvon plays or not? Do you think it's like game-altering can change a win or loss for either team? You know, I, I'd hate to... 
if anybody can, it's a dominant pass rusher against a young quarterback, right? There's a reason why really great offensive guards don't go any higher than like the last pick of the first round. And there's a reason why the first three picks are always some somewhere in there's an edge rusher. They just impact the game. KT's a great player. Um, I don't know how great he can be, even if he plays, if his ankles is, is, you know, bothering him. He's in a, you know, the air cast. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I'd love, I hope he plays. I hope he's at close to a hundred percent as possible. He deserves that chance. And varsity blues, give him the shot, let him go. <laughs> um, I, you know, these kids only get so many games in their life. Let them go. Um, I would not think because of how great the offensive line that Ohio State is, that it would be game-altering. But if a position could do it, I would say it would be that position, the defensive end, the pass rush. Just a small thing to note before we get into talking about uh, with Michigan and Washington ZTF and a lot of talented rushes that Michigan has had of late. Obviously, they have to replace one. But in the Minnesota game, Stroud was not sacked and only hurried twice. On one of the two times he was hurried, he rolled out left, threw it across his body. The wide receiver tipped it, and it was picked off. So although a very, very small sample size, we don't know yet how Stroud performs under pressure. So if they're sending Kayvon, Funa, Popo, and maybe a flow on a linebacker blitz, that could cause issue for Stroud and... As optimistic as I want to be, I think our only chance to win that game is if we put a lot of pressure on Stroud. And we need, specifically, we need Kayvon or Flo to hit him. If anybody else hits him, it's not going to hit hard enough. We need Kayvon or Flo to hit him to try and rattle him in some sense. Yeah, and one of my friends told me, so one of my friends told me, like, hey, even after he threw a great touchdown to Alave in the third quarter to kind of rally, he said, man, the body language and the demeanor from C.J. Stroud was worrisome. He said he was just pouting, and his teammates had to, like, lift him on the sideline. I was at the game, so, again, I could not see that. Um, but I think you're exactly right. See what – if if I don't mean to diminish Oregon. I think they're a good football team and everything, but I think they're playing with house money here. Let C.J. Stroud and Ryan Day and the company prove they can beat you if you overblitz. Let mm-hmm. them prove it. You're playing with house money. Bluff. Come after them. Hit them. I say that's the way to beat it. I say that's, you know, that's more spread out, fast, agile, Pac-12 type, a little bit smaller guys sometimes. But Oregon's obviously building up some beefy bodies now too. But some that, that fast Pac-12 defense, stunt and twist and blitz up the middle like we saw uh, USC do against Ohio State in 2017 in the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and c- those fast linebackers that our interior linemen could throw around if they ever got a hold of, but they didn't at times. Let that cause some problems. If I had, I and I think Ohio State starts four road graders and a guy at center. That's how I would describe it: four road graders and some guy. Now that guy's like a four high four low five star, but he didn't have a good uh, season last season, um, and he was he didn't even play in the Minnesota game. So who knows? Um, if the backup center plays again and has some low snaps that cause some pressure again. Um, but yeah, that's what I would do is, is come after him. If you, if you go down because a second career, a guy on a second career start um, throws off his back foot and beats you, then you gotta live with you're that. an Oregon fan. Are you going to be that upset about it? No, it's like, you got to live with that. There's nothing you can do at that point. My, my main focus would be send flow at the center. That's when I was watching your guys' game. Send flow at the center. Have Pubbo take up the center and see if them guards are taking a full speed flow. So transitioning that to Justin and Matt, uh, we were talking about game-breaking players. Are there any players on either side of your teams who could break open the game or cause a win or a loss? Matt, in my opinion, I thought ZTF could have been that player. He's obviously not playing this season. Uh, these are two teams who we don't know 100% who they are. Obviously, Michigan struggled last year, and we don't know exactly why that was. They they obviously won big last week against Western Michigan, who's been a solid team. Matt, you guys had a good year last year and then lost to Montana. So yeah. d- what, what do you think is somebody on both of your teams who could maybe break open or seal this game for you? I mean, I know for Washington, you know, this is assuming that the O-line gets it together. Coach Huff has a come-to-Jesus moment with that group. Um, 
and they can figure that out. I mean, that's where it starts for sure on offense, because on defense, you have Trent McDuffie, you know, you have um, Edufan, you have all those guys, right? And that defense is already known. Those guys are already known. ZTF obviously would be an impact, impact player, but like you said, he's hurt. So unfortunately, he's not going to be able to make that impact. You look on the offensive side of the ball, and I really think that running back rotation of McGrew, Pleasant, and Newton has potential to be huge for Washington. All eyes have been on Kate Otten, Drew Morris, that receiver core, which is not healthy right now, by the way, which is actually really important for that offensive strategy. Um, the old line's going to have to step up, but if they can, I think that running back room has the potential to break it wide open. Okay, and Justin, really what, what I mean, I know recently I've seen a lot of good pass rushers like Quiddy Pay and guys like that coming out of Michigan. And, you know, not too, too long ago, you had a guy like Jabril Peppers who could make a few explosive plays here and there. And those explosive plays can really change the game. Do you think there's anybody on your team now who's capable of doing that? Obviously, we've seen them make plays against Western Michigan. But even though Washington lost, they're a different level than Western Michigan. Is there somebody who's going to make those plays? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, first of all, I'm surprised you didn't say Giles Jackson. Giles Jackson is the Michigan transfer that I would say if there's anybody on that team that was going to somehow pull something out of his butt and, and, and have something work, it'd be some type of revenge game, you know, on Michigan. And, and he's going to, you know, he's going to have some, he wants the ball, right? Mm-hmm. So I could see yeah. him for Washington. You know, I could see them trying to target him more than they would in a normal week. Um, now, on our side of the ball, I mean, on defense, uh, Aiden Hutchinson is, you know, he was named the second biggest freak in college football, right? He is uh, he is a very, very good player on the edge rusher there. So, um, you know, he, he's been a guy that can disrupt things. And then into the secondary, Daxton Hill is, is our uh, nickel safety, and he's been making plays all over the place. So those guys on defense, um, I, on the offensive side of the ball, I'd say Blake Corum really separated himself in the running back room. Um, he also had a 79-yard kick return. So talking about explosive plays, uh, I, I'd say those are the guys that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you bring up Giles Jackson because, you know, I feel like that was a given for this game too. I feel like he's going to be fired up, you know, assuming that the O-line gets it together. You're also relying on Drew Morris not being so shaken from that last game, you know, and I think from him, you're hoping that that's the floor. You're hoping that that game was just an outlier. Um, And they've, they've gone ahead and said, Sam Heward's not going to play. So it is, you know, all eyes are pointed back on um, Dylan Morris for this game. And I think Jack. You might cut out there, Matt. Uh, I don't know what's going on with that. Am I back? Hello. Yep. You're okay, back. cool. Whoops. Where, where did I, <laughs> where did you guys stop? You me? were talking about, uh, shoot. I can't even remember now. I think it was Dylan Morris. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, with Morris, you know, you're hoping, like I said, he's hit his floor. You're hoping that that game was an outlier and all that. And I think with Giles Jackson, he also is going to have his chance to shine. Like you said, not only is it a revenge game, but that receiver room is, you know, with their rotations and guys being hurt. There's a lot of what ifs about that room in the first place. There's a lot of what ifs about that room going into the season anyways with the guys mm-hmm. that they had transferred in. So I think it's, you know, important that you bring that up. I just didn't mention it because I thought it'd be a given. <laughs> now, question for, oh, go ahead, Johnny. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring this up to Justin, a name you didn't mention. I'll throw, go ahead and uh, ask a, a genuine question while throwing shade at our rivals here. Um, <laughs> you know, is uh, I look, you know, follow recruiting and a couple years ago, not a lot of uh, UM players that I would I would get excited about coming to OSU, but there is one, and I don't know if it, you didn't mention him. Is he going to play, especially with Ronnie Bell going down? Um, Roman uh, Roman Wilson. Yeah. Is he is he going to look to have an increased role? Because I mean that dude can that guy can straight move. He can fly. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, so him and AJ Henning are gonna be the guys that step up in that wide receiver room for Ronnie Bell, which Ronnie Bell going down is just like 
a pit in your stomach if you're if you're a Michigan fan out there. Captain, you know, senior type of guy. We hope that he comes back, but he really was like the core of this football team. But um, Roman Wilson for sure uh, will will have an increased role. He had a um, an end around on Saturday that that went for sixty or something like that. So um, the him and Henning will will definitely step up. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they try and piece that together. Cause I think what I heard was like, you don't replace Ronnie bell, right? You try to, you know, piece it in, put a couple guys here and there, but yeah, that's a good call out too. And so are you guys, I, I mean, I feel like this is a really dumb question. Who are you guys rooting for in the other team's game? Are you guys rooting for your rival? Or are you rooting to see? Cause obviously Never. it looks yeah, I was, I was hoping to see because uh, so what the trend is around a lot of the Pac-12 schools outside of Oregon and Washington is, hey, we need the Pac-12 to win. And I understand that you do that. Um, the SEC started that years ago. Um, so so and other conferences start to do it. I, I once had a Clemson fan tell me, yeah, you have to do it because they do it right. Root <laughs> for the conference. It is tempting at times. Um but not with those guys. Uh, I will say I was tempted for them two years ago to, to beat Bama. Um, but I tempted to root for them, but like they just couldn't get out of their own way. <laughs> I, I'm convinced Shea Patterson doesn't open his eyes when the window gets <laughs> I mean, uh, I, so, but yeah, I mean, you know, if, uh, if it, I used <laughs> I can't make these jokes anymore, so I'm not going to. But I used to joke like if Michigan was playing ISIS, I still wouldn't root for them. I'm not going to say that. Obviously, I wouldn't say that on the camp on mic, right? Like, uh, so uh, you know, you can't say those types of things. I would uh, never say that. That's that's like current current events. Uh, yeah, One hundred one, right a there. Bit, a bit topical. Yeah, maybe. Um, no, I mean, I do think it's very different. I don't know for whatever reason the the Big Ten is different than the SEC in that. In that, um, you know, I will say like when it comes to bowl season outside of Ohio State and Michigan State, I root for pretty much all Big Ten teams, but. When it comes down to those two for us, you know, I just I've got a lot of friends here that are Michigan State and Ohio State friends, and we all stick it to each other uh, enough when they lose. So uh, there there aren't very very many times when I'm I've bet on them a couple times. I'll say that I bet on Ohio State for uh, to beat Minnesota uh, by what was it thirteen and a half. So I won that one. So uh, I'll root for them uh, uh, when I, when I'm gambling, but that's about it. That was a business decision, though. There's a exactly. difference between a business decision and a and a fan decision. Exactly, right? for sure, for sure. <laughs> so, but but I mean, with money on the line, that's interesting. With money on the line, you have to be actively like rooting for another touchdown, right? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. So you're a Buckeye fan. Oh, uh, well, well, well. Hold on. So here's the thing. I hedge I hedge my fandom because if Ohio State loses, then I'm I'm still happy. If the they win, win, then I you know, then I win money. So what's, it's what's the old saying, Michael? Put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> Man, I mean, I don't think I could ever put money on Washington because I don't know if I would tr- like all trash talk aside, could I trust them? After Saturday, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Sorry about that. We had to do a jump cut. I did not have my Zoom set up properly, and we're having some good discussion here talking about the games coming up. Thank you again to Johnny and Justin for coming on. Matt, thank you for all the graphic work you do for us. Of course, that's what I'm here for. Does anyone know where we left off? What were we talking about during the break? The rivalry, Justin. You had a question about the rivalry? Yeah, I I was wondering. Obviously, we know the the Michigan Ohio State rivalry, right? Well, we know it, but I think it's more that's pretty big across the country. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Does, actually, that's a good question. Does does the Michigan Ohio State rivalry like? Do you guys feel that it's that prevalent? Like, come that weekend in November? Uh, no, I, I feel like the history is there, and like the the fanfare is there, and everything is there. Yeah. But until Michigan wins a game, like no disrespect intended, I don't care no. about that game at all. It makes sense. I mean, I I mean, I thought, well, I guess in twenty eight sixteen and twenty eighteen, was it like, oh shit, I gotta tune into this? Are they really Washington? That's 
Is, is that what it was? So, for yeah, it was Washington's only line. beaten us twice since 2000. And it was within the last five years, right? Yeah, and it was it 2016 was, yeah. and 2018. 18. This yeah. is the year the year Washington made the playoff and the year that Oregon was not good. Yeah, the year we won four games. So, yeah. I mean, I get why people nationally don't watch Oregon and Washington as a rivalry because either Washington's been really good in the 90s or outside of that, Oregon's been really good and Washington has had issues, not just with football, it's just been administration and they've been handcuffed and stuff like that. We've already talked about that like 10 times on yeah. the show. So yeah, I'm not going to dive into that. One. I, I think the national media doesn't do you any favors because I, no, I, I didn't, agree. I wasn't really aware of the rivalry um, to, and I'm not, and I'm not, I, I promise I'm not, you guys brought me on your show. I'm not trying to be disrespectful or shade. <laughs> I promise. I'm just saying like, yeah, maybe then if the national media could do the national media doesn't do any favors for the Pac-12. And I get it. And I get it. There's not an there hasn't been eliteness come out of there for a while, but like my goodness, that you still can have some quality football. I would love would you guys would you guys sacrifice earlier kickoffs out west if it meant more people around the country would tune in? I live in Florida, so yes. No, <laughs> <school>. <laughs> I go to school in South Dakota, so also yes. Okay, well, the, yeah. the fan bases have spoken. Yeah. yeah, so we are the representatives. I do love Pac-12 after dark, though. I will say oh. that. Like, by that nothing time, beats it. By that time, though, I just think so many of us mm-hmm. are like, you I'm know, either like, I'm either too obliterated or asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's part of why we started the show. We know Washington and Oregon have rabid fan bases who hate each other, but there's nothing talking about that. And there's nothing talking about the Pac-12 really. Everybody who talks about the Pac-12, hate to say it, they're boring. They don't. They're monotone. They're all mm. analytical, and they just talk analytics all day. And there's no. There's... That's freaks, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Did but... you? Uh, well, did you like? It sounds like UCLA's trying to bring a little edge to it with Ooh. their graphics and media department. I, I did Ooh, I love that. it. You guys, you guys see my sissy blue AR-15? I, right yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love but it so much. They're not going to be allowed to do it. Uh, we tried to do the same things when Chip Kelly was here. He shut it down. Just for instance, UCLA had to take down their header. Chip Kelly called their social media guy, had to take it down. Seriously, they already did that? Mm-hmm. It's not there on. anymore. Go check their Twitter. Um, that was amazing. Me? I'm actually going to check this now. I didn't know this. Yeah, it's thing. not their header you know, anymore. That... The former Oregon I, SID guy quote tweeted it and said, I too know what it's like to get a caller ID saying Chip can they Kelly. Can they at least do the... <laughs> can they at least do the... The video? the video and yeah, get yeah, the yeah. he's fine okay. with that he basically what his like philosophy is is like header profile pictures and all that and he's a stay the same stay constant stay consistent stay professional is that oh, chip whatever. is that chip being a gm again that's that's the thing that always oh, hangs don't him remind up right? me of chip a gm man he's a <laughs> that's what... he's back on the eagles he could have been an nfl coach but he said nah give me roster control like dude you were a good nfl coach took a full well that's what i would tell him wins. here i would tell him and once he said hey we got to change the twitter i'd be like no, you no, no. Change running backs too, huh? But football coach, X's <laughs> yeah. and O's, X's and O's, and Jimmy's and Joe's. That's your job. I'll, I'll we'll run the, the tweeter. Twitter. <laughs> exactly. He, he brought Philadelphia from four wins to twelve wins, and he's like, okay, now give me roster control. And it just downhill, <laughs> downhill. Haven't recovered since. But nope. talking about, you know, you were mentioning the perception of the Pac-12. Would you guys be surprised to say, I don't know if you took a deep look into the rankings and both the coaches and the AP poll, the Pac-12 is the second most ranked teams behind the SEC by one team. I, is that uh, like 10 through 25 heavy? Um, 10 through 15 heavy and then a couple at around 20 to 25. That's interesting. UCLA, um, USC, and Oregon are all 10 to 15. UCLA, USC. And they, they have, and so what do they have, like five total? Yes, yep. five. Utah uh, and Arizona has State. Six. The Big Ten has four. ACC or Big Twelve has four. ACC has three. The group of five has two. Independents have one, being Notre Dame, obviously. So I'm guessing it was Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Iowa, and that was it. Yes, yep. Indiana dropped out. Indiana dropped out. They they're not. They can't put Michigan or Minnesota. This is why. This presidential campaign, but when I'm president of the United States, I'm going to pan <laughs> preseason polls. There's big in Minnesota. If if the everybody powers that be just decided Minnesota had a seven next to its name last week, this week it would have 
11. 11 next to it. Next. Right. There you go. But because we didn't draw a number next, it's just like Auburn is the beneficiary in the SEC year in and year out, you know, of, yeah. oh, they got a lot of losses, but we started them ranked high. This Miami, right? The, oh. Miami's going to at least drop to only like 40th best because we started them at, at 16th best by the time season's over. Right. That's just a rant. 25. But I will say I am happy for you that that at least at this point they're getting some love and that they're say, people are saying like hey there, there's some quality football out here to be shown the fans are still going to ignore it and say the pac 12 is terrible the pac 12 could have 12 teams ranked and they're gonna be like a pac 12 sucks well that's what if if you this that's the same thing this is the same hate oklahoma gets the same hate notre dame gets once you like reach tiers fans only care about if you can reach the next tier so right. it's like Notre Dame going to get dragged in the playoffs again. And I'm like, Notre Dame is better than every other uh, program except for like five. <laughs> o- Oklahoma, same thing. The like, I get it. But they've yeah. gotten to that second tier. So if you if they right. don't make it to that first tier, then people call them trash, right? But same thing. Yeah. The Pac-12. They need USC say, well, or Oregon to step up. Yeah, the Pac-12 is trash. Well, not really. They're just not got an elite powerhouse there's no top heavy team it's there's no top heavy team but they're they can cannibalize each other which again to the average fan looks worse when really it's just parody right it's good right that's good that's what we've all been asking for in college football competition yeah yeah what they really want is the sec model Mm -hmm. a a top heavy guy and parody down here where we just excuse all the cannibalism Mm-hmm. If you don't have the top heavy guy, they'll do what they've done to the Pac-12 for years and yeah, just say, "Oh, they're all not very good." I'm mm-hmm. like, well, if you're the 15th best team in the country, that means you're better than what 115 teams. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I think they really just need USC or Oregon to take that next step. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, Matt, I would have thrown Washington in that, but I think you, you know after last week, <laughs> after last week. That. I, yeah, that's that's quite the that's blemish. That's on top of recruiting. Recruiting was already a blemish. Then you lose yeah. to an FCS team, and you're yeah. expected to go lose in week two. You have yeah. a trip up potential trip up game in week three. So it's not looking as of right now. Things aren't looking great. We could come yep. back next week and it could completely change. But as For of sure. right now, it feels like Oregon and USC are the Pac-12's only chance of getting that top tier team. Maybe Chip Kelly becomes Chip Kelly of old, and UCLA is that third team. Maybe Washington fixes whatever issue they had week one, and they're that third team. But mm-hmm. as of right now, the Pac-12 really needs Oregon or UCL, USC to step up. And at least this year, I don't know if that's going to happen. I might even throw Utah in that conversation at this point. They're pretty I consistently Utah good. Utah in no conversations. <laughs> They're consistently good, and then they go to the Pac-12 championship and get blown out. Yeah, it's true. What, but, what's I mean, we just, that's what we just did. What we just uh, did. They're gonna, <laughs> they didn't take the next step. But, they, but you admit they're a good football team. Like, Yeah. Well, see, for, for years they were beating up on the – so until this year – the North was carrying the Pac-12 South, similar yep. to how the Big Ten was. One side was carrying the other side. And they were beating, at, to- at the time, a terrible UCLA team. At the time, a terrible Arizona team. At the time, a bad Arizona State team. At the time, a mm-hmm. Helton-led dumpster fire USC team. And Colorado. Yeah, so, that I mean, I, I didn't have a lot to go off of. Now, if Washington was beating Oregon when they made the playoffs, they were beating Stanford. They were beating Cal, who was good at the time. Like mm-hmm. I was like, okay, respectable. As much as I hate them, respectable. Yeah. But you, Utah just needs to beat one solid team more than once a year for me to be like, okay, maybe they're good. Right, yeah. So now going on to the Big Ten, I know the Big Ten and Pac-12 do have a lot of relationships. Uh, they, uh, everyone was assuming if they did have mergers going on, that uh, the Pac-12 and Big Ten would be co- coincided in one way, be, one way or the other if anything like that happened because of the history. So do you guys feel it's anything of the same? Do you think that the Big Ten is deep aside from Ohio State? Because, again, a lot of the people in the Southeast and on ESPN or whatever just dismiss the rest of the Big Ten aside from Ohio State. Although Michigan State, everyone says, is terrible. I think it's a not bad football program. I think they could beat a lot of teams in the ACC, a lot of teams in the 20 transfers. That mm-hmm. dude went out and got 20 tra- – I did not do that until yesterday. 20 transfers. <laughs> and you know what's crazy? USC and Florida State have more than that. They both have the most. They're That's like crazy. 27, I think, each. That's your entire roster. If, if they unreal. all start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I think to answer your question, I, 
look, if, if, uh, and I got this at Zach Smith's Menace to Sports podcast, but he, like, if football season ended today, today, the Big Ten was the best conference this after one week. And yes, Alabama was top heavy again, but they were the best that you had a really competitive um, matchup in Penn State and Wisconsin. They're that same thing. Good, not elite teams. Uh, Minnesota might be a good, not elite team. Michigan State might be a good, not elite team. You know, Michigan can claw and maybe get back to that good, not elite level. Um, you know, the way they recruit top 10, top 13, that it's there. Um, Iowa looked pretty impressive really that's good. another that's another team that people are just not going to get excited about but you know they, they're probably gonna go out and win nine games and maybe 10 and they're gonna uh, beat so, whoever they play in their ball game yeah probably so unless unless they get ran into a buzzsaw of somebody that's like you know was just was Had like an injury uh, fifth, or something well, you know, sometimes you match up the fifth best team with the eleventh best team. <laughs> you know, if it's something like that, like they when they ran into McCaffrey that year, or who um, drops the Pac-12 championship to UCLA or something and end up playing Iowa. Right, right, and you're clearly better than them. You got the favorable matchup, but yeah, I think I think the Big Ten. I don't know about Justin, but I think the Big Ten depth as of right now is as good as it's looked in a long time. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think that. And I, I actually think, weirdly enough, Michigan could be the one determining factor to if people think that the Big Ten's good or not, right? If if Michigan has a six and six season, they're gonna say, you know, Ohio and if State if nobody. there's yeah, right, and then so I I think weirdly enough, it is gonna be on on Michigan's shoulders there, but I still think that you know if, if Penn State can go out there and now you know have a a, a whatever year that was where they did beat Ohio state, you know, they, they've got a shot there. Um, you know, I think Wisconsin, I think everything you said is true. Iowa could run, could easily run the table in the West. And then you've got, you know, a great team on that West side going up against an Ohio state and the East. Um, you know, I, I think for, for to your guys point, and this is the same about, you know, the PAC 12 as it is the, the big 10, but I think, the Big Ten's biggest issue is nobody has has come for Ohio State for that crown. If there was one year even in the past five, you know, well, it's been, what, four in a row? Is that right? Yep, yep. Yeah. If, if anybody, you know, this year or in the next couple can dethrone Ohio State, that just legitimizes the rest of the conference, right? It, it, it doesn't happen an, an often enough right now, so people think that nobody else matters, right? And, and people are going to write them off. So, um, you know, that's where I think that the PAC – or sorry, the SEC actually has been okay because Alabama, even though they've won the Natty, they still sometimes haven't won the SEC championship. Georgia has been there to compete with them. They've had mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I think a lot of it is they want someone to compete like consistently. They want the same team. They don't want Iowa one year, Michigan State one year, Penn State one year. They like Alabama's competing every year, Georgia's competing every year, and then a the third team jumps in there sometimes. Yeah. And I think and- uh, Matt, let me know if you disagree, but I think it's the same situation for the Pac-12. Yep, that the, is definitely the, time, the Pac-12's problem. The most teams. The most hype a Pac-12 team will get is when they beat Oregon. Yep. That's the mm-hmm. only time they get any respect in the polls. That's the only time they get a chance to get game day. That's the only time they're getting all the praise. They got to beat Oregon. It used to be mm-hmm. beat USC, but USC's been down so long. It's okay. You don't beat Oregon, we don't care. We're not going to watch you. You're not good. And, and like once- you said, yeah, with um, like teams cycling through, because obviously it's just kind of, in the uh, in the Big Ten, it's Ohio State and everybody else. You see teams from the South cycle through all the time. You've had USC come out of there. You've had Colorado come out of there. You've had um, Arizona State compete up there. Utah obviously has UCLA. come out of there. UCLA. I mean, you've just had teams cycle through Arizona there, being in and out. That's right. I forgot. Oh my God, I forgot about Arizona. They've been so bad for so long. <laughs> but I mean, you just have the South constantly cycling through, and the North has had what? Oregon, Oregon most of the time, Washington, Washington and Stanford. I mean, Stanford if you're won talking it once, yes, that missed yeah, block once. with the Anthony Thomas. Yeah, and but Oregon I mean, was like the better team, and everyone it, Oregon got the better bowl, I believe, that year too. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's the same problem. You it's know the same I mean? issue. It's it's 
So Ohio State maybe has had that year where they were sanctioned. You know, somebody else got that spot. Oregon's had the year that they went four wins and then the year that they went, I think, seven wins where Washington got that spot. Other than that, it's been the exact same thing. It's Ohio State and whoever, Oregon and whoever. And it's like, okay, that team might win, that team might lose. And half of the time, even if that team beats Ohio State, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, it was a fluke. Ohio State's still better than them. And if Oregon lost to Utah, it's like, okay, that's still a fluke. Like, okay, they got they got a good game, you know. I don't know if they're – as an Oregon fan, they respect us, but I hate that they don't respect our opponents. And it hurts us that they think yeah. so lowly of our opponents. Mm-hmm. I, I think for Oregon, too, from the rest of the country, people still think of Chip Kelly and Marcus Mariota and those guys. Like, they, they seriously, because mm-hmm. you got – you. You're I right. mean – to be honest, you haven't played on a national level since then. Like, like there hasn't been a college football playoff, uh, you know, appearance. And so when, like Johnny said, when the media, the national media doesn't do you any favors until you get to that point, then you kind of go by the wayside until you are in that, in that national title conversation. To open, well, go ahead, Johnny. Well, I was going to say, it, case in point, I was having a Twitter space chat with somebody the other day, and they said, hey, I – they had a. They thought this Oregon Ohio State game was going to be a really low scoring rock fight, which I was like, I, I just can't see that. Um, but anyways, they said this Oregon team you're going up against ain't like the Oregon teams of old, where you just push them around and they're small in the trenches. And I was like, well, hold on. To be fair, last time we faced them, they weren't the Oregon team of old. They weren't light up front in the team that got shoved around by Stanford they were back hurt in the day. Up front. They yes, but they were also they were beefy. Like mm-hmm. they were getting penetration in that game. Part of it we were allowing the nose tackle to come through so we could trap block it. But that defensive line got pushed. Our, it was not small guys. Our and issue but, was depth. But the but the perception was mm-hmm. well, last time you played Oregon, they were still the small guys. No, they weren't. And Marcus Mariota was still on the field, so they're like, oh, okay. They're still small, yeah. fast, yeah, it's flashy. small, fast. Yeah, yeah. Little yeah, did yeah. they know, like two of the best defensive tackles in the NFL are from that Oregon line. Uh, yeah, the left tackle from I think the backup left tackle now from the Detroit Lions is on that offensive line. NFL offensive linemen are on that team. Now that might be the only NFL players from that team, but the line was solid. And was was that who on the defensive line you had uh DeForest Buckner DeForest and Eric Buckner. Armstead and Justin Hollins, all three of which start in the NFL. Tweeners, right? Little guys, right? <laughs> Six <laughs> foot seven, three hundred pounds. Right, like giant, yeah. One of them played center on our basketball team, and our basketball Penny, team doesn't suck. You mentioned Penne Sewell, right? That's who you're talking about? No, Tyrell Crosby. Penne was okay. a freshman in the 2016-17 season. Okay, was, yeah. Ke- Case in point, he a great offensive lineman. As a as a guy not far from Cincinnati, where I'm from, I'm screaming for the Bengals to take the guy in the first round. So like, you know, and then the Lions decide to move him to the opposite side of the line. <laughs> yeah, that's a Detroit thing. I don't. I don't that's know. a it's yeah. It, even even when we draft the right guy, once he gets here, then it, we're gonna screw him draft up. <laughs> who everyone thinks is one of the best left tackle prospects since a guys like Pace. It's like okay, well. Go right. When Go when right. when uh, well, when the Bengals passed on him to get Jamar Chase, who is a good player, but I was look, so mad. I wanted listen, to play with Burrow. We we had what uh, ta- we had uh, uh Taj what Boyd. they have Taj Boyd and uh, Justin Ross, I think already. Just, and Justin Ross before he got hurt was leading yeah. the league in receiving yards. He had five hundred so, yards through five games. And you mm-hmm. could have got you can get a really good receiver in the second round. I don't they did they did end up getting a tackle in the second round, but I, I think the gap the yeah. gap but yeah. We got so I told, more in like the Are you guys round. talking about John Ross? You said Justin Ross. John Ross, yes. Yeah. Okay. John, uh the, oh, yeah, well, he's a husky. Or T Higgins. Yeah. Am I talking the the kid from T Higgins, the kid from Clemson, Clemson? had oh, the yeah. Clemson yeah. receiver. Uh, yeah. Yeah, my bad. Um get those Clemson freaks mi- mixed up sometimes. But <laughs> uh, but anyway, my tweet was I think it was Brandon Peters or whoever the Bengals backup is. I forget who, but it was like Hey, it's going to be awesome to watch Brandon throw to Jamar Chase come game 11. (laughs) (laughs) The guy just literally had surgery because you couldn't protect him. You had an opportunity to protect him, and you said, let's get him somebody to throw to from his back. I I don't (laughs) understand. So, Johnny, I was on I I don't know if you know who Mark Rogers is, but he's also an Ohio State fan. 
I was on his show literally two hours ago, and uh, I asked him, <laughs> I asked him how does it feel that the best defensive end in college football is played at Columbus at least once a year outside of the COVID year for how long since Kayvon's coming to Columbus? And honestly, I think Zach Harrison, once Kayvon's gone, might be taking that spot. So like, it's cr- the the one time you guys are playing and you don't have the best edge rusher is that weird? Um. Well, last year we well, I will say Zach Zach might go to the NFL this year as well. So we may have to recycle. Yeah, it'll be his third year. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, last year we didn't have he was on the team, but we didn't get a lot of edge rush. Part of it I think was COVID. Part of it was rotation, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, um, if Kayvon starts really wreaking havoc, it will be like huh, I, I can tell you, <laughs> I, and I can tell you right now. People, the, the the fickle fans of Ohio State are going to start calling for Zach Harrison's head. Like, why can't he do that? Why that's what he's supposed to do? You know, I, I know it's going to happen right now. See, Kayvon's not like the athlete that guys like Chase Young were. But Kayvon is one of the most just naturally gifted at playing the position, edge rushers. He's not the athletic freak of Chase Young. He's not as refined fundamentally as the Bosa brothers. But he's just naturally like... Somehow he'll mess up his form and still blow by the tackle. And it's just like Look, how- if the quarterback falls down, it's all the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Kayvon's just naturally good at getting the quarterback down. He won't do anything, you know, technique perfect. He doesn't have the most athletic athleticism of anybody. He just goes out there and somehow gets to the quarterback. And it'll be fun to see. I, I think he's probably our only chance at it. So wrapping some some of this up, we've been going for about 50 minutes now. Uh, let's start with predictions. We'll start with what I think we would all agree is going to be the less followed game for the week. Michigan and Washington. And we'll let the losers go first. Matt, what do you think the score prediction <laughs> is? And who do you think? The He's team- been waiting to say that all yeah, day. Yeah. yeah, first of all, rude. All right. I've, I've had a tough weekend, okay. and this is how I'm treated. Okay, that's fine. That's Side fine. note for Johnny and Justin. Matt also plays NAIA football, and his team lost before Washington played. Oh. We won this. Hey, we won this weekend. We won this hey. weekend. We won where, this weekend. Where, did you, where do you play at? Uh, Dakota Wesleyan. We play in the uh, G Pack, which is like Morningside, Northwestern, all those guys. So nice. Very I played cool. at uh, Concordia here in Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor, but oh yeah. yeah, yeah, they're looking really good this year. By the way, they're My they've man. been playoff team the last two years. So yeah, uh, or maybe three. I think I don't know. No. I so think back, it's back to back to back conference champs. Sorry, go ahead. You're yeah. good. <laughs> back to predictions. Yeah. Uh, Matt, um, what do you think the score prediction is? And who do you think is a key player for Washington in that game? Not just like, you know, the game breaker. Who do you think yeah. has the biggest impact on the game? Not who do you hope? Who yeah. does? Who does? Dylan Morris, 100%. 110 million percent. And what's the score? Score. I'm saying UW turns it around. I'm taking Washington 21-17. Johnny had to laugh there. I seen that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did, I, sorry. Some, I don't mean to. It was no. genuine. I wasn't trying to put it down. <laughs> no. Get, get, I have to be a homer here. Like what? So, I'm just going to get crucified so if question, I don't. If you're a betting man, are you betting on Washington? Oh, no chance enough. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> shot. <laughs> Justin, score prediction and the player who does change the game. All right. So I, I think um, there aren't many people that comes into the big house and win uh, at night. Um, so they'll, we'll, have, uh, we'll have quite the electric atmosphere, I think. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, outside of Ohio State, not many people come into big, the big house and win, at, uh, you know, and on any day, actually, I know what team has good. done that. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> well, last year you can say everybody came in and beat him there, yeah, so that's yeah. an anomaly. But your exactly. score prediction, all right? Sorry, the, the biggest impact player, like who's got that crazy game? So I, I think that the I think Washington's going to struggle on offense again. Um, I'm going to go with uh, 28-10. As the as the final, uh, I think Cade McNamara, the quarterback. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how he does against a you know not Mac uh, opponent. Um, you know, see if he can be as efficient as he was because he was the number. He was the second most efficient quarterback in all of college football last week. 
and Johnny, me and you are going to be less informed on this, but we're also going to make our picks on the Oregon Washington game. Oh, boy. Who do you think wins uh, the Oregon Washington, Washington game? Washington. Or Michigan Washington game. Yeah. I'm sorry. I cannot talk. Who do you think wins the Michigan Washington game? Don't have to name a specific player because honestly, I don't know a player from both teams who could, who could change the game that much. Yeah. I, I mean, it, Without watching, you know, I, I would know Blake Quorum was always a solid player mm-hmm. throughout recruitment. So if, if Justin said he was good uh, Saturday, I believe him. So Justin, uh, you know, Blake Quorum, uh, Roman Wilson on offense. Um, I would, uh, I would say that uh, I, I would pick that team up north to take the win. I think um, I, it's just hard for me. I didn't watch a snap of the uh, Washington game, but it, it's just hard for me to pick them after after the uh, Montana game. So I would, I would actually pick something like, uh, you know, 38, 17. Wow. So Mm. I am now Matt, you can vouch. I was really high on Washington going into the season. Correct. He was higher on Washington than I was when we did our first (laughs) poll of the year. So yes, I have them 11th in my poll. Wow. But after watching their last game and I did watch Michigan's last game, I do think they struggled a little bit to start with Western Michigan's front, which was weird to see. They did. But I think Western Michigan's front's better than Washington. So I think that Michigan wins 42-7. Wow. wow. All right. Wow. Wow. I, just based off of That's... your offensive line play, I don't see how you can make a drastic enough improvement to keep that game close. That that you... offensive line play was putrid, and Montana's Montana's defensive line isn't their strong part of their defense. No, it's not. You you think Washington's defense just falls over and dies like no, that? No, I think that your offense is, loses points. Like the, the their, their defense is going to score mm. points. Okay. Mm. I'm going to have fun on Saturday night. That's all I know. That's okay. <laughs> your quarterback can't get pressured that much and not you know get his arm hit and somebody catch a ball or he fumbles going back on a pass or if he's getting hit that much, there's going to be turnovers and they're going to get short fields and they're going to score on those. That's as that's good as your defense argument. is, as good as Trent McDuffie yeah. is, they're going to score on those. It, it would have to be because usually. Yeah. Usually Jim Harbaugh is fundamentally opposed to scoring in the 40s unless the defense does something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Well, they're playing FCS Washington, so. I wish I had a comeback, but I just I can't say anything after this weekend. I really can't. All right, so now we're going to dive into the big game, the big noon kickoff, Ohio State and Oregon. Johnny, we'll start with you. Who do you think wins that game? What is the score and the big difference in it? I think this game will look a lot like the Minnesota game. Look for Buckeye fans. Competitive at times, maybe even frustratingly competitive. Maybe even find yourself down for uh, back and forth for two and a half quarters. However, I think talent wins out. Big talent makes big flashy plays exactly like you saw against Minnesota, whether it was the strip stack, scoop and score by the two freaks on the defensive line, or whether Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave just get loose and run wild on a big play. So I think uh, Ohio State eventually wins where the box score looks comfortable, but the game was not that comfortable. I think 38-24 Buckeyes. With pick your poison, but I think uh, Garrett Wilson, because you can line him up in the slot and you'll have to D him up with safety sometimes. Just uh, Ryan Day is just too good at manipulating people with that. So for myself, I've grown a little more confident now that Jamal Hill and DJ James are playing. I now have confidence in our DBs to not, you know, let those guys run as open as Minnesota was letting them run. And I think that we can make just enough plays, especially with how explosive Kayvon, Flo, and Sewell looked at forcing turnovers. Just enough plays to win the game. I also have it a fairly high scoring, but I think both defenses score. Both defenses for sure score in this game, if I had to guess. I think it's a 41-38 game Oregon. And the key player in this game is going to be Justin Flo. I think he's going to force up, you know, obviously they're not going to give up on Master Teague. Master Teague's a solid player, but I don't know if he's going to run into Flo so many times and hold on to that ball. So I'm hoping we can force some turnovers on the running backs if we get them in space. Obviously, they're really good at breaking guys' ankles in space. They're great backs, but I think we can win a close one. Three-point win, which is all I could hope for. What if I told you real quick, Master T is likely to get less than five carries that game, and you're going to be dealing with the two other guys? (laughs) Five fumbles. (laughs) (laughs) So now we're going to go to Justin with Ohio State and Oregon playing. With Ohio State being your biggest rival, 
what do you think the score prediction is and who do you think is the key player in that game? So I actually think Ohio State's defense stinks, but I think their offense is better than is is their offense is better than their defense is bad. So it doesn't matter how bad their defense is because their offense is that good. So I think that they are going to score over 50 actually here. I think they're going to score 54. I think they give up about 35. Uh, that, that, that offense is, is, it doesn't now CJ Stroud's in a second game. He's going to get in a rhythm They're You know, he, I think they're going to be pretty dang good there. Justin, we're not friends anymore. I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry. 54 points. <laughs> I, I watched him score. How many against Minnesota? Is right? Minnesota's they, defense better than Oregon's? I, Justin, I, I just think Justin. that they're, listen, <laughs> listen, listen, listen to rain, me. Hold in on. In the rain, in the rain. In the rain, and C.J. Stroud went two for 15 in the first half or whatever he did. So if he can put together a full game, they are very capable of scoring 50. That's I mean, all I'm saying. Yeah, he never got pressured in his wide receivers. Listen, I, I've been beaten down by Ohio State's offense too much <laughs> in my life. I can't I can't do it anymore. So you, you did ask a man with PTSD to yeah, take this exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, When he said a 50, I was over here like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that is, I was like, if, wow. my, if we score 50, man, Kayvon, you're going to the second round, man. I don't care. <laughs> 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 That's just too much. Like, I understand we could lose. We could even lose by 20. They're not scoring no 50 points, man. <laughs> hey, I also said I also said Washington was not going to lose to Montana this week, and look how that turned out. Yeah, so, but, like, our, our 50 things, points? Things happen. 50. Matt, like, all right. Happen. Let me get off yeah. of this before I'm just sitting here flabbergasted. <laughs> Matt, obviously your biggest rival in Oregon is playing yeah. against a really good Ohio State team. Maybe. Uh, do you think they score fifty first of all, and uh, who wins, <laughs> and what is the key player? I do not think that. Um, excuse me, Ohio State scores fifty, but I do not trust Anthony Brown and that Oregon offense enough Same. for them to really be able to compete that well. I think Ohio State beats them pretty soundly. Um, I'll give them thirty-five twenty-one. I just don't think Oregon's offense will really get it done. I think CJ Stroud is just going to have a day. I'm not too I mad really at do. that. If one of them is like a last two minute touchdown to seal it, you know, I wouldn't be too mad at that. Yeah. Who do you think is going to be the key player for Ohio State then? CJ Stroud still. I think CJ it's Stroud? going to be. Yeah. I think Justin, just because. Same person? I, I actually think it's going to be, you know, one of the running backs. I, I mean, pick one really at this point because they're, <laughs> they're five please. deep, right? You know? Um, I, I, I mean, if I had to guess, I'd go Mayan Williams, but, um, I, I think they're going to pound it pretty good. Um, you know, because they're going to want to get CJ Stroud in a rhythm, not try to have him do too much. Um, but their, their run games, it, it's damn good. So Matt, you're contrasting that with Stroud. Why do you think Stroud completely goes off? I just think that that Oregon defense, honestly, for as good as they are, I just think they're going to us underestimate because he looked, I don't know. I mean, Mortal. he looked a bit raw at times um, in his first game. I just really think that he's going to ball out. I think he's going to be ready to go. I think, you know, that home crowd behind him is just going to get him going. I don't know. They'll it's... shock us all, and it'll be a Ty Thompson versus Quinn Ewers game. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> Man, some Ohio State fans would be really happy someone hate it. But, Johnny, Justin, we want to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, do you guys want to plug anything before we close out of the show? Uh, Justin, where can we find you? Yeah, so we're at Blue by 90 uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, YouTube, all of it. Um, we put out a, a few podcasts every week. Um, we, if you're a Michigan fan out there too, if you're going to any games, we host a pretty big tailgate, uh, right outside the stadium too. So, um, other than that, you can, you know, find all our stuff, uh, on our, our, uh, social handles. And their social handles are also right next to their pictures. As every episode, we have blue by 90 and Scarlet great JL Johnny, where else can they find you? Yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, please follow my co-host, Florida Corey. Um, his father passed away actually yesterday, so we're all, um, you know, staying strong for him and keeping him in our thoughts. So it's the same as me, at Scarlet Great CT. You can find us on Instagram, Scarlet and Great. 
Um, and uh, we're not, we haven't been posting the audio version of the podcast very much because YouTube actually pays money. So we were, have been partnered with Chat Sports and we're doing video mostly only on YouTube. Uh, you could find us youtube.com slash go bucks. There you go. You got the URL. Anybody have any closing remarks before we get out of here? Thank you. No, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. us. For sure, it's been fun. Loved That's having fun. you guys. Uh, go Grizzlies. Yeah, go Grizz. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> again, we're, we're all Grizzlies this week. <laughs> all right, guys. We want to thank you guys for tuning into the Ducks and Dogs podcast. This has been a special, longer episode of the Ducks and Dogs podcast, kicking off probably the biggest week for both of these teams. And it'll be fun to see how this game goes. We will catch you guys next week. We'll probably be talking more about how these games went. Because honestly, Washington and Oregon's matchups are less than stellar. So thank you guys for watching. Check the podcast out on Spotify and YouTube. Follow everyone on Twitter. Their ads are under their names. And I hope you guys have a great day and go Ducks.